everybody, welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 436, I think, being bro- uh, broadcast on February 8th, 2017. I'm Ryan Schrout. I'm Jeremy Holstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. And I'm Alan Malmatano. Ken's over there. Yep. As Alex always. is over there. Yep. Hiding uh, back from the cameras this week. Uh, I assume, let me ask this. I know you turned the brightness on this TV down a little bit, right? I have not touched the brightness on that TV, but it is dark. Okay, it is dark. Okay, yes. I'm just making sure because it looked too dark, but that's fine. Uh, welcome to the show, everyone. Uh, it's uh, it's February already. We're already yep. one twelfth of the way through 2017. Yep, I guess. I guess last week we were half one twelfth of the way through as well. Um, we do record this show live on Wednesday nights. You can watch it. Watch it all happen: the pre-show, the post-show, all that good stuff at pcpar.com/live. Um, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. If you need a little reminder, we have a list for you that does exactly that. If you go to pcpro.com slash subscribe, you get this page here that asks for your name and your email address. We send you a notification. Do we, do we get any other pages? No, you actually, it only gets this page. And if you try yeah. to click any link anywhere else, it crashes your computer. Okay. Sweet. Actually, except for the submit button. The submit button is fine. Oh. You can use the submit button. Um, uh, name and email. We'll send you a notification anywhere from a half an hour to 90 minutes before the show actually starts. Uh, and you can come hang out in the chat with us. Uh, we have the stream running on YouTube or on Twitch. But if you go to PCPro.com slash live, you'll see the embed there that works uh, pretty much across the board. And also another reminder, we do have our Patreon going at Patreon.com slash PCPro. If you enjoy our discussions before the show, after the show, during the show, whatever it happens to be, uh, you can uh, – this is your capability. This is your ability to uh, have a monthly direct contribution to the website, to us, to create this content, to see uh, Josh in his skibbies in a bathtub. There's no skibbies involved, just me covered seductively with a white robe. Not sure that's better. Not seductive. Not sure it's better. Uh, and as always the case, uh, as we get new patrons or people increase their patro- uh, patronage of the show during the broadcast, I will give them a shout out. Uh, we do have one now um, who increased their pledge to four ninety nine from Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to read it a couple of times to myself in my head before I said it out loud and make sure Shamalama Ding Dong. It wouldn't have sounded better or worse if you messed so it thank up. Thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, so we're going to get to the show here in just a second, but we did. Uh, Ken brought up a topic that we wanted to cover. Um, so apparently, the, the big game yeah. was last week, everybody. I don't want to get sued. It's all fake. Everything is fake. So we to- You don't want to get sued by mentioning the Super Bowl? Before, before uh, yeah. Before the show started, we were talking about drone delivery and how the office we're in now is actually going to be probably one of the first places in the country to get it because of an Amazon distribution hub being built another one, which is actually surprising because there's already a big one here. Um, it's you're, you're the basis of the Amazon Air fleet, yeah. right? Will be, I think. Will yeah. be. Yeah. And, and it, it, CBG is good at that. Like DHL's international hub is here, right? It's, it's one of their three hubs around the world. It's yeah. like this Germany and – Hong Kong. Yeah, which is which is odd. But that explains like if you're if you're here you see a ton of like 747 traffic <laughs> which doesn't make any sense because there's not that many commercial flights especially yep. you know we don't we only have uh Delta has like three international flights, Paris, Cancun and Toronto. Yeah. Which Cancun and Toronto don't even really count as international <laughs> destinations it's in after my flights. Mind. Yeah. Uh not for long. Um <laughs> but you brought up we're talking about drones, you brought up the Super Bowl because the beginning of it 
Katy Perry is standing on the top of the stadium. Katy Perry. That was left shark, right shark girl. You're right. Yeah. Uh, other female singer, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Svetlana. <laughs> uh, she's standing on top of of the stadium, and I'll be honest with you, like there, there's like lights moving in the background. Yeah, and I thought it was. Uh, I was like CG. CG. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was CG, and it turns out it wasn't. It was it was Intel powered drones, shooting star yep. drones. Is that what they call them? They call them shooting star mm-hmm. drones. Uh, moving right. And they, they go in like a couple of patterns while she sings America the Beautiful or whatever it is she sings at that point. Um, and then they turn into an American flag. Mm-hmm. And then she jumps off of the building to her death. Um, now, supposedly they pre-recorded the drums. It was pre-recorded. Yeah, that's crap. It was recorded a week before they, because the uh, FAA yeah. they couldn't get would not to allow fly those many that drones. many drones yeah. above people of yeah. that many folks. Yeah. yeah. What, but, 70, the, but the drones were outside there? the stadium, right? They were on yeah, the they matter. were on the outside, like over. They would have been over the parking lot. Yeah, yeah. But during the Super Bowl, there's like a 50 mile rate, no drone zone radius around the stadium. No drone yeah. zone. So that even people affiliated with the event are not allowed to. Yeah, fly freaking drones. Apparently, I just and That's so they have all so those her, wire things. Her jump off of the building was fake yeah. too. Not fake. Yeah, but, no, they recorded. They're, they're, but she didn't jump all the way. She down, did not. Probably. No, she so, jumped into a a sponge pit. Well, she, no, well, she uh, just uh, the, there was a stand that was, you know, whatever. So there are actually, like, pictures people post on Twitter and stuff who were in the seats for the Super Bowl of, like, like taking a photo of Lady Gaga, and she's, like, dropping from, like, like 20 or 30 feet like, above, above the, the stage. Yeah. Onto it. Yeah. So not, not the height of the thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and they actually pulled it off really well. If they hadn't told anybody, it would have, it would have been. I think, I think the yeah. people in the stadium would have said, uh, uh no. Sure. But <laughs> Eventually. Well, yeah, right. Sure, but and also we didn't see those drones moving around. But, but for the TV coverage, that like the yeah. one of the commentators made a comment about, oh, they're opening up the roof for Lady Gaga, and they showed pre-recorded footage of the roof opening up oh, and closing in the TV screen. You yeah. sons of bees, they did. Yeah. And then at the end of it, it formed into a Pepsi logo. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, got to get the commercials in. I'm surprised they didn't do an Intel logo. Like Intel, like put out a press release and like a website after the Super Bowl. Like, hey, we powered this. Blah blah blah. They, yeah, they, they, they said not. They, 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 had, they had like a short little ad spot after that. Those like powered by Intel. It was like, it was like drones powered by Intel. Yeah. Oh, they did. Like I must have yeah. missed yeah. it. Yeah, it was okay. a really short, like just a few second long thing. Okay. Well, so anyway, there's it your drone. Cool. It was neat. It's yeah. really cool that you can do that with a bunch of drones. Yeah. Swarming is friggin' neat. I was yeah. impressed with how quickly they repositioned. Because, like, I would like to have seen it, uh, like, in a daylight rehearsal, yeah. so I could see yeah. actually how yeah, far, far th- how far apart the drones were and yeah. how like far back away they were from her. You can't really tell in the dark. Like, right? how you did just Intel see a light. not film a bunch of behind the scenes stuff for that and like make a marketing video? Oh, they out of must it. have. Yeah, they we, probably we just haven't did. seen it yet. Well, I mean, their marketing teams, you know. Why wouldn't you do that around the Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Why wouldn't you have like major tech influencers out there talking about it or something like that? You know, you bring them out to the Super Bowl. That's a good trick. You're out there the week before. They get to see all the stuff going on. There's all kinds of great ideas that could have happened here, guys. Apparently, they were busy in Washington. They were busy in New uh, York. Uh, BK talking with uh, yeah. DJT. DJT out there. <laughs> the deplorable DJT. Getting, getting their best friendships on. The tenacious um, D. Oh man, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I guess I don't see anything that looks like a behind the scenes. Unfortunately, yeah, I, yeah. I think we would have seen it had that had that been circulating. Um, all right, so let's get into the actual content here. Let me see if I have any uh, other uh, Patreon additions coming on here. Uh, nope, just still Shamalama Ding Dong. Uh, he's the only guy up there at the top of the list. So let's get in there. Um, 
Sebastian posted a review of a mini STX build. Hands up if you knew that mini STX was a thing. Well, yeah. I think Alex I did maybe did. once. Nope. No. Is it new? Ish. It's the newest, smallest PC form factor, according to this amazing article by Sebastian here, that accepts a socketed CPU. So it's the smallest that, that is, mm-hmm. you know, upgradable, you know, to some degree, right? Sure. Um, it is a uh, – so the build itself we're looking at is an ECS H110S 2P, which is the motherboard, and the Silverstone VTO1 chassis. The case itself is 1.53 liters of space, um, which as an American okay. I find hard to digest. It's except less in, than a two-liter of soda. Except to compare to the size of soda containers. It's a half a gallon-ish, I guess. Okay. All I right. Mean, sure. It is smaller than a bread box. Uh, yes. Very small how, how footprint. How many is that? <laughs> I don't know. It's impressive, though, that this can accept up to 65-watt processors. Um, it doesn't look like it has enough cooling for that. I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And here's, here's a picture of the motherboard. The, the ECS board, the mini STX on the left, mini ITX on the right. That's quite, that's quite the difference. Um, you can see you're using SODIM memory. On this, although it is uh, stacked vertically, uh, which is kind of unique for SODIM implementations. Um, no PCI Express slots for discrete graphics, obviously. Although, uh, although what? Is that news article in the list? Uh, which one? ASRock announced the mini STX board today with a MXM slot on it. Oh, uh, I think it is in there. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. So you would be able to get discrete graphics in that. So you can see... Uh, Sebastian goes through this build process. Uh, the motherboard itself is the H110 chipset based, two DDR4 SODIMs, still up to 32 gigs. You get an M.2 slot for an SSD. I'm going to guess that's a SATA, and then one M.2 for Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Uh, one serial ATA connection. You've got you know two channel audio. Ooh, oh, you really need <laughs> two channel. At least it's not mono, right, guys? Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> four USB three ports, two USB two ports, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, chassis again, impressively small on this. Well, and eighty bucks. Oh, wait, the Which motherboard is than a red box. Yeah, the motherboard's eighty dollars. Yeah. That's fairly inexpensive. I mean, for a tiny it? thing like that, yeah, they usually crank the price way yeah. up on those. I, I kind of wish it were less dollars. Wouldn't, still. Wouldn't, it, yeah. wouldn't it have more than two channel audio, like over HDMI? Like, would that not yeah, um, be a thing? I guess probably. Okay. So they're just talking about like headphone jack out. ALC 60, 662. So we can look that up. Uh-huh. Two-channel high-definition audio codec. Huh. Um, the case itself is 30 bucks. CPU cooler limitation, 35 millimeters in height, which is why Cooler Master or Silverstone also sent the NT07-115X cooler, as you can see it there. It's like a golden orb. It sure is. 65-watt uh, TDP and a $20 chassis. Oh, yeah. Wasn't except, Silverstone either. Except, except it's not gold. So you Thermal get take. The case of yep. the cooler for 50 bucks from Silverstone, not too bad. Uh, and then he uses, you know, here's a size comparison to the uh, uh, USB thumb drive as well. It's pretty small. It's, it's, it's impressively small, which is something Josh here is <coughs> more Very than familiar most. with. More, more than most. Yeah. Um, so we went through the motherboard already. You can see the connectivity. You got DisplayPort. You got HDMI. Look at that power connector. Yeah. No ATX power or anything like that. This is external power. Just 12 volt, right? Probably. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But on the other side, you've got USB 3.1. You've got Type C. Uh, There's your headphone jack. Hmm. Your two M.2 connections. Uh, Can you tell from look at that picture, Alan? If those are both SATA or no? One's got to be PCIe for 
Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Actually, the other one looks like it's um, this M- one? MSATA. This one down here? Yeah. Yeah. That's not mm-hmm. keyed like M.2. Nope. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha. M.2 will either have four pins or five oh. pins on the other side of the key. Is that a window? No. Uh, sweet <laughs> speed hole a window into it so uh, Sebastian goes through the construction process you know fairly easy to get into working with with cases and, and parts this small is never going to be super easy you can see the SSD installation mount to the top of it you're getting down into nook size good god I thought that designs. was a small core how, how it is, is. <laughs> how is that it is a, to, it look at the enormous. size of the nuts it's a small cooler <laughs> look at the that's size a lot of, of nuts, nuts. <laughs> You can always tell how big something is by the size of the nuts. I see. Yeah. Uh, and here, here's, here's a very large hand, a very, very big hand holding it. Yeah. So but he has hand. small nuts. Well, you know, sodium's up and running. There, there's your fully assembled setup. That, so that is an M.2 PCIe. Uh, the I top mean, that's one. what he's got installed. He plugged no. an SF961 into it. Oh, that is. But that's the top guy, not the bottom one. Yeah, but I think the bottom yeah, the one... bottom one is just MSATA. Yeah. Which could also be... Could you do Wi-Fi Bluetooth adapters off that? Well, it could be mini PCIe, Maybe? which was also MSATA. Oh, okay. Remember? Those tiny uh-huh. standards are totally not confusing at all. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so here we go. Here we go. Get to the conclusion here. Completed build, usage, et cetera, et cetera. Um, ooh, check out that UI, guys. What is that? Oof. That is the ECS... Uh, a BIOS. <laughs> Sweet. I don't know if you could accomplish anything in that. But, he put know. a Core i5-6600K in there. So it's uh, it's it's going to perform pretty well. Uh, here huh. it is, you know, being Prime 95 to death. Uh, so you can check on the thermals and everything. Everything seems in spec there, running the X264 benchmark. Um, and because someone pointed out the 6600K is a 91-watt part, part but he didn't really seem to have any issues with it, even running Prime 95. Oh, even though it was a 65-watt TDP cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Funny. Um, yeah, so he got a 90-watt, 19-volt still, adapter Still better than the Intel well. OEM cooler. <laughs> Drawing 95 watts of power through that system. So, yes, clearly the processor being the vast majority of all that. Um, yeah. So it, it seems like four, What's, What was the power supply rated at? Well, you bought your own AC power adapter. Oh, okay. For it, right? Oh. Uh, so he goes through kind of that selection process as well. Uh, a silver award for each, both the motherboard and the chassis cooler combination. Hey, buddy. He says, impressed cool with the tiny... stability and overall quality, easy recommendations, available where you live, uh, very well designed and built on the chassis side. Um wonder if that case how many, how many liters is that this? case doesn't have like a visa mount does it uh i didn't see one if hmm. it did there you go that's three so quarters sebastian might reply in the chat if you yeah. see that's three quarters of a liter of volume right there leave bottom. my bourbon alone let's that's you know gives you some perspective so what did i say this was 1.3 1.2 or something okay so not much more volume than that not i can bottle. almost fit it in my liquor bottle is what you're telling me yeah almost okay yeah now we're talking about computer mods that it could be bourbon cooled what would it do? You didn't get a metal taste in the bourbon? Yeah, it's like aging. Want to do. I don't think it's like aging. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say You just have to I'm get that wood no. PC case that we saw the other day. I like oh. ethyl. 
Yeah. Lots of ethyl in my in my bourbon. <laughs> Hardcore PC enthusiast. I'm gonna I'm going to make sure we get iron free or uh, lead free components. Okay. If I'm gonna put them in bourbon that I may later drink. Hardcore PC users want conformal coating uh, aged bourbon. That. Yes. Just putting that back. Uh, all right. Our next story here, uh, we can get there pretty quick. NVIDIA announced a, a, a handful of new quadros, um, lower end, all based on Pascal, the 4,000, 2,000, uh, 1,000, 400. I don't know. There's a bunch of them, right? <laughs> Just they, making up they, numbers they all go, Yeah, probably. <laughs> 63 and a half. <laughs> they go down. They're Pascal-based. all GPUs we know. The interesting one that they announced was the Quadro GP100, which, uh, as the name may tell you is based on the p100 gpu uh which was previously found in the tesla gp100 card oh and the tesla gp100 i don't think it's gp i think it's p100 is it just tesla p100 yeah because we're making fun the because gpu a car is by really well. really confusing the, yeah. G- the yeah. gpu is gp100 yeah Okay. The product was p100 was p100 um and so they sold it like in that weird module form factor for you know server implementations, NVLink connection, that type of stuff, mm-hmm. and then they sold it as an add-in card, but the exact same design, like no um, display outputs or anything like that. It was strictly a high-performance compute card. Now they're selling it as a Quadro card, uh, which does mean it has display outputs. It's going to have you know run you know normal drivers off the website type of sure. stuff. Um, it is. It's an interesting thing, right? Because if you look at this lineup, um, the Quadro P6000 is the GP102 based part. The previous highest end highest cost quadro card and now we go to the gp100 and if you look at these specifications they're they're interesting to compare right because if you look at like cuda count cuda core count the quadro p6000 is actually a higher core count right um it runs at higher clock speeds yep um and it's single precision uh teraflop rating is 12 teraflops versus the gp100's 10.3 yep so it's actually so slower it's slower in single performance which yep. would mean uh, I think, unless there's some exceptions I can't think of right now that are very memory dependent, like graphics rendering is going to be faster on the on the P6000 yep. than on the new GP100. But however, if you look at the double precision math, <laughs> good God, you yeah. go from you basically go from a ratio of one to thirty-two, uh-huh. which is what the P6000 and all the consumer grade GeForce cards have. Yep. The double precision is one thirty-second. Of the, of the counts, single per- of the performance of yeah. single uh, single precision, whereas with GP100 you're at half, so you're getting 5.15 teraflops of double precision compute compared to 0.375 yeah. teraflops of double precision compute on the P6000. So that, that clearly shows you where the the, de- the delineation is between these two products, right? Yep. If you uh, are looking to do uh, you know manage a workload of uh, simulation that requires double precision math. You have a Quadro card now that that can that can handle those operations. And there's another three point three more billion transistors on that to pull that to off. To get it, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're you're adding double precision units. Yep. To that GPU, which are a lot of transistors. I think it was relative. back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think Josh Fermi was Fermi the last GPU that Nvidia put out that had like the same die size between all of them. But they just disabled the double precision compute on the GeForce products. Maybe I think it was Fermi. I don't think so. It, it well, might have been one after, after the Fermi. generation Kepler? before that. Kepler. I don't think Kepler did that. I know Maxwell no. didn't. Maxwell had the same issue where, like, the Quadro cards that came out of Maxwell were not double precision enabled. Oh well, no, Kepler was the first Titan. 
Well, you had the DP card, and then they released the mm. what was that 780 Ti that had DP disabled. Maybe right. you're right. Yeah, maybe. I think I think you might be right. <laughs> whatever, whatever it was, they they created this like. I think they got tired of of people buying thousand dollar video cards when they could be selling them eight thousand dollar video cards <laughs> that could do double Same. precision stuff, right? Sure. Which fine, whatever. I get it. The people who are buying eight thousand dollar video cards are doing stuff where they value the card for eight thousand dollars, probably or five thousand dollars. If somebody like me, if I'm doing Blender rendering, turns out I don't need double precision compute, so spending the extra money for that doesn't make any sense. Um, so what's also interesting is that this makes the first time you could buy an NVIDIA. Um, GP100 GPU that has display outputs, you could in theory use it for gaming purposes, mm-hmm. right? That has HBM2 memory. All right, so this has 16 gigs of HBM2 memory on it, where, uh, by the way, this is the diagram of the CUDA core count on that GPU, and it's just That's enormous a lot. looking. All it is is just Lego blocks, lots and lots of <laughs> Lego blocks making Donald Trump's wall. Yes. Yeah, I mean, that 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 would do it for sure there. Um so you know, really, really tiny wall. The HBM2 integration gives you <laughs> extremely high memory bandwidth. You're talking about uh, what do I have it out here? 716 gigabytes per second on that versus 432 gigabytes. So is that on kinda, the P6000? Is that kind of difference going to make like a gaming difference? I don't think so. Right. That okay. basically gives you more pixel throughput capability if sure. you're looking at it from that kind of workload mentality. Yeah. Um, but I think it's more important when you're talking about high performance compute workloads. To yep. have that type yeah, of memory. to move that much around. Also yeah. worth noting, the GP100 has 16 gigs. The P6000 has 24 gigs of memory. So in terms of just frame buffer, yep. the P6000 actually has 8 gigs more hmm. on it. Um, so there's that. I, I, I find this incredibly interesting. I'm sure somebody will get a hold of one and run some game benchmarks on it. NVIDIA did not send one, even though I requested a couple uh, for <laughs> for uh, benchmarking Cause purposes. Because you, you wanted P100D? Uh yeah, exactly. Okay. Two of them. Yep. Dual motors. Yep. And, and, and interesting interesting to know, speaking of two, as the two of them in this picture here show, <laughs> they actually can connect through NVLink chip to chip, which is the first time we will have we have seen a consumer based product that connects multi GPU that way. That's a Just think how accurate and fast <laughs> your Rocket League will be. <laughs> hmm. If I turn on all the double precision bits yeah. It will not help boosting. your aim. I'm sorry. My boosting will be better, though. I'm pretty sure. But your aim is still going to suck. And all the HDRing that I do in 10-bit on the panel will probably be bittier. That's an awful lot of pins from the looks of that. Uh, NVLink is very different yeah. than SLI. Yeah. yeah. It is meant to be a server-to-server connection as well as a yeah. chip-to-chip connection. Um, <clears throat> we've been hearing rumors for a while that NVLink would eventually come to consumer graphics cards and be it's, you know, chip to chip communication. This is the first indication that we may eventually get that with the next generation parts. Mm. Uh, but I don't know how expensive those connections are and those types of bridges would be. I mean, it's just that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. here's your, here's your updated family of Pascal based, uh, uh, quadro cards. Despite they this, look inbred. They do. Thanks. <laughs> 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 They share a lot of traits, don't they? <laughs> yeah, not all they share. Eh, too bad. The some other are a little skinny. Hema, some the, are the smallest has hemophilia, but let's. let's. Uh, and here's a we've got a table at the bottom that shows the P four thousand, two thousand, one thousand, six hundred, four hundred. I wasn't making up the numbers. They're they're literally there, but they can go all the way down to having two hundred fifty six scooter cores, which I don't know why you're doing that at that point. I think you're just multi display output, <clears throat> uh, you know, relative performance upgrades, those types of things. So uh, interesting to see. 
Um, people have asked me, and in the comments, does this mean we're going to have a, a a 1080 Ti or some 10 series product? You know, announce a GDC Titan, Titan GP100. Yeah, that's going to be that, and I don't think that's the case. What if I were to theorize? What happened here was, you know, the Jeep, the the, the Tesla P100 was announced almost a year ago. As a GTC, last yeah, like year. ten months ago, yeah, nine ten months ago. And I think what they did was they sold those for fifteen thousand dollars a piece. Well, they eventually went down to the add-in cards and sold those for ten thousand dollars a piece. And now they're like, okay, we've kind of saturated that market. Yep. And now we'll see what we can get at the Quadrant market. So those for eight thousand all, t- all piece twenty or people that needed those, right? Well, <laughs> if I remember correctly, they said last year at GTC they didn't expect to start shipping volume of those GPUs until Q1 2017. No, they, they they were shipping in uh, August no, of they, that year. They, they were shipping a couple, Josh. Yeah, yeah it was not much. Like but they, were, they were shipping in, in August. So this, but no, they were waiting for budget refresh. So all of a sudden, companies would start picking yeah, them up. so companies could have money to buy True. them. That so, makes sense. Uh, no, I don't think we're going to see – I don't think we'll see a GP100-based consumer product ever. Uh, you know, we'll get HBM2 with the next – with what is it, Volta – the architecture that comes next. This doesn't make sense for a consumer part. And even like showing you, like literally the single precision performance where gaming performance makes a difference is lower than GP102. If NVIDIA wants to release a part, um, make a 1080 Ti uh, slightly cut down GP102 and sell it for less than uh, uh, is the Titan XP GP102? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like still a lot of dollars. Still. I honestly couldn't tell you. It's been a long time because I don't pay attention to that marketplace. So there's that. Uh, Josh, you Me. apparently posted something. AMD has more Zen details at ISCCC, which is the what, International Supercomputing Conference. Conference. Solid wait, wait. state semiconductor. Oh no! Does your title have one too many C's and one too few S's? Yes. Oh. I need to edit that. <laughs> Apologies. ISS. I meant ISS, International Semiconductor something. You're being laughed at across the internet as we speak. Solid State Circuit Consortium? Sure. Conference? Uh, Why not? Anyway, so what did we learn that's new? Things. And? We learned about stuff. You know, AMD has stuff coming out. Competitor A? Things. And tell. So anyway... Uh, AMD compared and contrasted their upcoming Zen product with what we assume is either a Skylake or Cabby Lake okay. uh, product. And uh, essentially what we came away with was AMD is able to offer an x86 core with four cores, eight thread capability that is smaller than Intel's corresponding four core, eight thread unit. So was, you can see their some, area, 44 millimeter square for AMDs and 49 millimeter square. There was some debate here, though, on were they measuring with the IGP? No, they, they, I think, you know, pretty much they were not okay. measuring. That would be crappy if they were. <laughs> yeah, but as we kind of look down and scroll down, mm-hmm. there's some interesting questions. Do they count the L2 cache in there? I'm thinking that they do because... Uh, an interesting thing, even though the standard 60 SRAM cell is bigger on AMD than Intel, when we look at their L2 and L3 caches, they're smaller comparatively. So even though mm, Intel wow. has only a 256K L2 cache and, and AMD has 512K, 
it is only 60% larger on the AMD side than what Intel is. So <clears throat> it's significantly shrunk down. And we can yep. look at the L3 cache. That's a little more Going from 19.1 millimeter squared to 16 millimeter squared for 8 megs. That's it. That's pretty significant. Now, a lot of that may be, you know, kind of this control circuitry and and um, <clears throat> how they access caches. And until we get some, you know, good benchmarks on how fast these L2 caches are and how an L3 and how <clears throat> AMD is able to, you know, do, do throughput. <sighs> I know I'm not making much sense, but it's no, it's, it's a good. very vacuous type thing uh but anyway there there are so many factors in cpu performance and there are so many trade-offs to be able to hit die sizes and tdps and and clock speeds that's kind of hard to explain within like a five-minute period we have to Understood. branch out and do a hundred different things but it <clears throat> until we get these parts in hand and are able to benchmark them through a wide variety of, 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 of software suites. Suites. Yes. Um, we really won't know how effective one architecture is against another. Now we've had what two benchmarks that AMD has released where it shows them outperforming Intel at kind of the same clock speeds and thread counts, but we don't know how that is going to, uh, kind of translate across, Gaming, uh, photo editing, other video editing, 3D modeling, stuff like that. Because where, and if you read through this entire thing, I think one of the bigger areas that AMD really cut back on is, and and this was talked about by David Cantor with his uh, article uh, that was finally released, what, six months after he did it in August of last year, Uh, the floating point SSC AVX unit is not incredibly advanced over what we saw with the excavator cores. And we can compare that to what Intel has with Skylake and Cabby Lake. And their floating point AVX, I mean, it handles AVX2 in, in one cycle. And uh, that's what, AVX256? And uh, AMD has to break that down into multiple cycles right. uh, just because their their unit can't can't handle that and david talked about that and said you know they cut down the floating point unit because that was one of the areas that they felt was not utilized as much and so they they did that for die size and power consumption reasons so i think that's probably one of the bigger aspects uh plus how they access l2 and l3 caches I think it's going to be, and in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's half the potential bandwidth of what Intel offers. So mm. it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how Ryzen compares with uh, Skylake and Cabby Lake. But from what AMD has shown at ISSCC, and what is probably most interesting to me, is they have a competitive, comparable product with their top-end Ryzen with the Intel 6950, the mm. Broadwell E product. You're probably talking it's about the 6900K, which is the $1,000 eight cores. 6950K. No, 6950 is 10 core. 6900 is oh, okay. eight core. Yeah. Yeah, you're okay. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. No. I'll just change that in my article. But uh, yeah, the 6900K, uh, eight core, 16 thread, 
and it's a 140-watt TDP product. Yep. And it's got about one meg worth of – no, it's got five megs extra L3 and L2 cache as compared to what AMD has. But AMD is offering faster clock speeds, 3.6 to 4 gigs. That's not official. It's all the rumors. But they're doing it at 95 watts versus Intel's 140 watts for such a product. So yeah. it's going to be really interesting to see. The only question I have on the TDP is – at at 140 watts, is that counting AVX overhead on Intel's part? Right, it's um, a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that um, because I can't do direct CPU power measurement like we can with GPUs now. It's a little bit more difficult to intercept the pow- the pins going to the processor. Talk power. to Michael Schutte about that. I'd rather not. Um, oh come on! Uh, I mean, it, honestly, I just like again, it's it's something that happens once every two years when we get a new architecture that matters. Um, but it's it'll be interesting to see like real world applications of power consumption, right? You know, motherboards are only going to make at most what ten watts of difference from one to the other. Um, so we'll see. But I, I, I'm really interested. We're getting to the end here of uh, of having to guess about crap. So yep. I'm a fan of that. We that's guess. for sure. Probably, probably. Uh, real quick before we move on to the next story, uh, we have some Patreon callouts to uh, uh, to, to count for. Luke, Ooh. Luke, Ma- oh man, Malshwetsky, Malventano, Luke <laughs> Malshwetsky pledged Man- five dollars. Manashevitz, not correct either. M A L C Z E W S K I. Jusky. Mike Wazowski. Oh, Mike with Luke Wazowski. Mouse, mouse, uh, he pledged $5. So thank you very much, That's Luke. That's a Chesky. Um, I'm going to take that away now. Thoughts on GDDR, GDDR6 versus HBM2? Question mark. Is HBM2 necessary for gaming? Edited their pledge to uh, $550. And I think we answered his question. Yeah, we, kinda... we have GDDR6, GDDR5, GDDR6 coming up later. And Cash Me Outside, how about that? It's How in, about that? It's in quotes. I don't understand it. Oh, you haven't seen that video? I don't know. Have you been under a rock? No. Apparently. We'll yes. take care of this later. Okay. Yeah, but they pledged uh, 555 So thank you. And then uh, maybe my favorite so far is, um, oh, man. Bimjvok uh, Fuzix pledged $3. Which is the name of that Acer monitor that we were joking about on Twitter? Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Back and forth is a new is a new Patreon subscriber. Uh, Bimage Quifuzix. That's what I'm going to say. Bimage I almost said it. Quif- I almost went yep. south with that. Yeah, Quifuzix. Pledge three dollars. So thank you guys uh, uh, for that. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, uh, on to some other stories. EVGA uh, launched. EVGA liquid coolers, CPU coolers. CLC. I'm going to ask Jeremy why we need to have that EVGA's new EVGA CLC 120 and 280 Because it's brought to you by EVGA. Oh, okay. All right. All right. It was on Uh, purpose then. Yeah, and besides, I mean, this is the first time I've actually seen someone brand it CLC, closed lip cooler, which I honestly like better than all-in-one. Oh, yeah. AIO is is dumb because it it can be so many things. Yeah. It makes me think of IMAX. Which is just not something I want to be reminded of. Built into the CRTs. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, those ones. So what's what so, about these coolers? Well, uh, they went a little bit odd in that you've got a single 120 
millimeter fan or one with two 140s. Okay. But no mixing between the two. Right. Which does make sense. You want to go bigger. You want to get a little bit more. But the fan, if you keep, if you stay on that top picture there, oh, yep. they've done something different. Do you notice that the fan shrouds are curved? Mm-hmm. I do. So this is a new thing that they're saying is actually going to help get air away from the fan quicker. Is this I'm the anti-cat formula of uh, our anti-Ken finger? One of those two. It is. Well, yes, it will certainly help Ken, Ken lose a finger or two if he wants. I don't know. It looks also like it's going to add turbulence It because you want directed airflow. This just sort of lets it go. I I personally do not have a degree in airflow or or what 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 what, what field would fluid you dynamics. Fluid, yes, dynamics. fluid dynamics that would be fluid dynamics i don't have i don't have any degrees in fluid dynamics um, but you know how to benchmark but i know how to use a sound meter <laughs> right so i mean that's easily measurable differences i guess for noise yeah for sound on yeah. what it does and you know temperature and you could in theory if we had a um a wind tunnel. A wind, not a wind tunnel, but like what? What do you call the device that measures airflow? A flow bench. Uh, a vaporizer. An airflometer. A- An airflometer. <laughs> it's a flometer. Manometer. I don't know. I forget Manometer. what it is. I almost, I, almost, I almost bought one when I was in Hong Kong. Manometer. <laughs> to be fair, uh, but you can measure like the airflow through the fan, right? But yeah, I, yeah whatever. Um, yeah. No, I'm curious to see how it performs. If it has any difference whatsoever towards noise performance, or if it's just just any other easier way to trim your fingernails. And it looks so like they're using full- their standard kind of EVGA uh, software stack. Well, this, this is actually supposedly new. Uh, this is flow control software, which looks they say, say hasn't come out yet. Oh, I've certainly seen EVGA software that looks very similar, <laughs> but they're saying Weird. it's not. And part of the reason I think is if you scroll down just a little bit more, you can see that there's 10 savable profiles. Uh, so you, you can set up your fan speeds because you'll have a PWM in it. It didn't really specify if you can change the flow speeds. I can't imagine how you could, but of it's the pump, uh, usually you can't. Yeah, usually you can't. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting because they do certainly measure it, uh, and it'll tell you the coolant temp as well. And as you can see, it will also control your RGBs. Of course. You've got the R's, the G's, and the B's. Look at that. Which Look at all the RGBs. And if you happen to have an EVGA video card that has the RGB Ooh, disease, I they do. will glow together. Ooh. And huh? we will all glow down together. I, I will say, uh, not this product, but I'm testing a different EVGA product that has RGB control in it. Control, yeah. Um, I actually need to add this to the story. Very disappointed in the accuracy of color mm. in the RGBs. Well, we know that that's a challenge. But for like a lot of colors, oh. it feels like so white, white is not selecting even selecting chartreuse. White, and it gave me burnt umber. <laughs> yeah. you, can yes. you believe my anger? All right, let's, let's talk that about this. That is not eggshell white. That is seafoam white. Yeah, yeah. Damn it. Let's get uh, to this Acer display. The... B-Midge Quifuzics. B-Midge Quifuzics. <laughs> the Acer... Well, you forgot the XR382 cock part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. XR382. Cock. Sequick. Oh, there's no, a Q. come on. Yeah, it's a Q. Um, Is it, isn't that the town that Pete's Dragon was from? 
It does sound similar, doesn't it's it? Quick, the old one, not the what? new one. They Hexam just remade. Aquatic. So, I... so Jeremy, you wrote the story up. Did did you make the edit? I, th- I think you did. Yeah, uh, where it's now. At first, we thought it was a thirty four forty by sixteen hundred display. It's actually thirty eight forty by sixteen hundred display. Thirty eight because well, they couldn't figure out their PR. Yeah. Although one of our commenters immediately did the math and said, "Yeah, that doesn't make yeah. sense." Yeah, that Fair aspect enough. is not aspecty. Um, no. 75 hertz, so it's not like it's a 60 hertz display. It's a little bit faster, right? You know, no yeah. G Sync. Yeah. Uh, is it a free sync? Yes, it's it, adaptive sync. Adaptive it's the free sync one. So yeah, 75 hertz is about where they what top out. It? Usually. And it's a 38 inch, 37 and a half inch IPS screen. So it's it's yeah. it's long. Well, here's the important question: They don't say G Sync, or they don't say free sync two, and we don't know what the bottom limit I'm sure is. Sure, it's not free sync two. It is not free sync two. So it probably you can't do the doubling, and probably it not. Probably can do the doubling. Mm, no, with a, with a, a lot peak of, these, of 75 the minimum would have to be 30 yeah, yeah. the minimum would tend to be 30 which is not enough of and a that's ratio just not like i mean is. you might be and able to do it enough. would you want is? to two and a half x oh okay yeah 30 30 would be enough if it can do it it just like acer is one of those people who are kind of on the forefront of a lot of this adaptive stuff and it would surprise me if they brought out a display in this new resolution that didn't do out maybe but they don't they don't especially call it FreeSync. Yeah. They do specifically call out adaptive syncs, which makes me think that maybe they don't. Maybe. Right? And, and I do think for this particular – I mean, first of all, it's an enormous monitor. All the other uh, ultra-wides that we have are 34-inch, so this yeah. is four inches wider. Oh, and well, it's worse than that because it's curved. Yeah, and it's a steeper curve. Or no. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, no, it's, no, it's this a shallower bugs curve. Me. Every monitor yeah. company does their curve measurements bloody different. No, <laughs> no, no, no. They do like, the radius? It's all radius-based. They do sort of do radius, but a 2300R might not be the same as someone else's 1400R that no, actually it's, sort it's of looks ra- to curve about the same. It's the radius. It, should, it yeah. should be the same. It should be. Yeah, yeah but what unit are they measuring it? It's the... It is. Yeah. So Centimeter? it is the curve that would exist Radians? on, a, on a, a circle that was 2300 centimeters is, is around... Centimeters? I or think, is it twenty three hundred inches? No, the, the, it's the radius. It's no, the, it's, it's, it's going to be metric. Yeah. Radius or the yeah. diameter? Oh. It's always the radius. Yeah, that's what the R. That's is what the R stands for. Okay. It's radius. It's the radius. So yeah. yeah. But so I circled that would be twenty three hundred centimeters. I don't think the I don't think the radius is twenty three. Yeah. I think it's if it's the radius of a circle that was twenty three hundred centimeters. It's still a radius. Yeah. Oh. The radius the of a circle. of a circle with a radius of 2,300. I, I th- honestly, I think that's what yes. it is. We're going to have to I figure this out. Yeah, somebody <laughs> that's that what up. it should be. But And I, the unit of measurement is never clearly defined. And I have a feeling that they cheat on it just like uh, the, the guy that seemed like being a reasonable person and turned into an arsehole in the comments pointing out the whole brightness yeah. thing. It, it doesn't really mean anything unless they tell you exactly how they measured it and where they measured it. Right. Yeah, that's true. So I've been looking at, like, every once in a while I'll get a curve monitor f- up for a news post, and I look at it, and I'm like, there is no way in hell that matches this other one that said roughly the same R. I do like I do like that stand on those Acer monitors. I do, too. Um, may, specifically because, um, I forget what the model numbers are, but there was the 34-inch Acer Predator that was a G-Sync ultra-wide that went to 100 hertz. Yeah. Right, the higher resolution like 34 inch, not the 1080p one. 3440 right? by 1440. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that came with this stand. Mm-hmm. That's Ryan went. Uh, sorry, uh, this one. Yeah, that's, yeah. that came, that monitor comes with that same stand, whereas the Aces version of it comes with one that pivots also, and uh, it it has like a very like a like a column style back 
to the to the stand, and it actually extends the display like another four inches forward on the desk if you were limited on, on how deep your desk was. Mm. So the Acer that's that version of a stand you can't rotate or you can well you can't rotate any of the ultra wise, but you're like you can't like pivot whatever you want on turn the display mm-hmm. right. Not that you're really going to need to in the first place, right? So why give up like a four inches more of your desk space <coughs> just just so that you can you know twist the display a little bit to the right or to the left, which is something you're probably never going to do with that big of a display anyway. Uh, the radius of the circle R is called the radius of curvature and the curvature of the reciprocal of the radius of curvature. The tangent. I don't know. The, 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 this is not the right thing. No, I think it's, it's just the radius. Geometry. You're speaking geometry. The radius of the circle R is called the radius of curvature. Yeah. Okay. So like, so like the, the, okay. if you looked at the profile of the display, the curve of the display, it would be sitting on the circle. Mm-hmm. I knew, the, I knew the 2300 indicated the size of something, and this would be yeah. the curve as if the screen was on that circle. Yeah. But I didn't know if the 2300 indicated was the, the circumference, circumference yeah. or the radius or what. So uh, either way, the, it is, larger it is backwards. The, num- the larger the number, the less curve there yeah. is. Yeah, that's yeah. So absolutely. You're yeah. saying the angle of the dangle is inversely proportional to the heat of the beat. Yeah. So like 2300R is actually not that the curve. The suede in the chat says that a 1800R no. is the radius in millimeters. There's millimeters? no way it's millimeters. There's no way. Uh, so it's 1.8 8, meters. 1.8 meters. And there's no way that thing does a complete circle so in 1.8. No, no, no. Radius, sorry, no, times 3.14. This, this one is 2300, not 1800. Right, but, but I'm just saying, yeah. We should probably move on. Yeah, 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 somebody, somebody figured out. Yeah, let maybe. me know. I actually just googled for a while for like curved monitor R rating, and it got no results. So no, if anybody it's, wants it's to write random. If you, somebody wants to write an article <laughs> about that for some for. SEO, for. Uh, let us know. Uh, we'll run through some other stories here quickly. AMD Ryzen performance in Ashes of the Singularity apparently linked out because that's what Ashes of the Singularity benchmark mode does is it leaks out results. Um, Sebastian wrote this up. An eight-core Ryzen CPU appeared online in an apparent leak showing performance in Ash of the Singularity Benchmark. Uh, we've got the picture of it on our news post. Um, what else was it? Uh, it was using a Titan X, a Ryzen eight-core processor, the uh, 4K game demos. Oh, wait, no. That was, I was right. He's talking about the uh, Battlefield 1 demos there. What we don't know here is what particular mode of the game was being run because we don't have the full like output of the, uh, of the benchmark. Um, but if you want to look at it and kind of see how things compare, this based on the um, part number, this is, again, I think the 3.6 base to 4 gigahertz boost clock part uh, that Josh referenced uh, earlier as Possibly. well. Yeah. So we're getting close. We're getting close. Uh, how about this? Intel is shipping Optane memory modules to not to us, but to does, does it seem a day late, a dollar short for these memory modules? Uh, wh- um, what do you mean? These are the memory modules, not the M.2 drives, no, I, right? I know. I know. But oh, wait, is this the story the about the RAM, the ones that fit in the dim slots? Is that what you're talking about? I think so. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm, still, I'm still skeptical on that, but why? apparently. Why? Because they haven't, they're not volume shipping the first iteration of it yet. So I'm surprised it wasn't as they, easy as they thought. 
Well, yeah. wouldn't you say first? You don't know which one they intended to be first. Like, this is where all the money is. They don't want to sell freaking upgrade cards to Lenovo. Stuff. Yeah. Right? Because they're going to make $8 on each of those because well, nobody no, else would no. buy it otherwise. I mean, but if they can sell these for $1,000 a piece to no, there's going to be certain servers. Yeah. There's going to be like bigger versions of that, not with just one or two dies on there that are like NVMe, you know, like enterprise parts. Not immediately. Oh, for enterprise. Yeah. They'll be like enterprise sure. parts. This stuff that we're talking about here would not communicate over NVMe. It would communicate over like the DRAM lanes. Yeah. Memory controller. Straight yeah. to the CPU. That was what they thought. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, to- it's a totally different animal. It's like... it's like So it would actually communicate with a memory controller? Via yeah, as compared to the on-chip PCIe controller, which has a lot of the similar latencies. Yeah, but like... It's connected the memory, to the CPU. Yeah, no, I get yeah, it. But like the memory the controller is not handling interaction yes. with that storage, is it? What happens is you need... That's a, the idea. You need a special BIOS on those systems... Which Supermicro kind of has the corner on, uh, and it's been this and this been this way for what's been called like NV DIM kind of stuff, which is basically non-volatile mm-hmm. DIMs, right? Mm-hmm. Which has gone into server some server applications, um, but they're basically you know in that iteration you were just talking to Flash, right? But the the BIOS like special server BIOS for the server motherboards um, were kind of partitioning off a couple of the the DIM slots. Mm-hmm. In, in as far as address space goes, so they were not seen as so the CPU RAM. doesn't see them as memory. It doesn't see them as RAM okay. on startup. But okay. then once you get into the OS, it like kind of maps. It, it has to load a driver for it, apparently. Uh, something like that. It, it would it would astound me if they had built the memory controller in a way to handle that stuff. But I don't know. They're Intel. Well, it's just it's just reading and writing from addresses. Sure. So, so you but just the make controller it's, it's essentially it's a flat address timed, plane. Yeah, like, it's just it's just a flat address space. You're just you're just making the uh, in this case the cross point speak in the in D, in a DRAM language as opposed to speaking mm, in the translation. More happens it, on the it, dim side. It, yeah. Okay. Yeah, like it's just it's it's basically mimicking. But you can D, do the, much the same thing with just. M.2 that's attached to PCIe. I mean, you're well, going to have a little bit more extra latency just the way it goes. That's the as thing. As compared to DRAM. Yeah, that's the but thing. But it's, it's just not going to be that much. Well... And it's another added layer of complexity plus price. Yeah. And so you do... You get added complexity one side or the other. Because you get, like... It's, it's been a challenge, like, compatibility-wise to make NVDIM stuff work nicely. Because you need the BIOS to be able to understand that, you know, these specific slots are not supposed to be talked to this way. They're supposed to be talked mm-hmm. to a different way mm-hmm. and all that stuff, right? So, you know, if it's an application where you really need the absolute fastest thing possible out of Crosspoint, then a DIM slot is the way to go, obviously, because you're not going through NVMe over PCI. Right. You know, you're not translating protocols like several times to get there, even as low latency as uh and nvme is meant to be crosspoint is still pretty dang fast for it you know so it's right. like you know it's like hey we've got the x12 it's a low overhead but we're gonna do this thing that throws you know a billion polygons per second at it it's still gonna be a bottleneck right like you right. know it still has its limits just like nvme does i uh somebody in the chat linked me to this post on curvature and i wanted to make sure we clarify this so we oh, there's a post there well no it's on amazon.com and a descriptor for samsung monitor when they, uh, they, amazon.com <clears throat> huh? well that means that came from samsung presumably yeah. sure no, yeah, it's, this it's is on, samsung's interpretation it's samsung marketing it's on amazon material. india 
Oh, well, oh. whatever. All right. Uh, the R value is used to indicate the curvature radius. For example, 4,000 R curvature would be a form a circle with a 4,000 millimeter radius. Oh, four so it is millimeter. The smaller the R value, the higher the monitor's curve. And this Absolutely. little diagram here shows you in 1800, you know, shows you how that translates into, you know, That's curvature. What kind of curve? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was describing, but in my own mind, because I was yeah. not actually effectively um, communicating using, that. Using your words? You, you were yeah. describing an arc, were you? <clears throat> All right. Sure. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if I find my way back to where we were at. Uh, Micron is planning to launch GDDR6 memory this year um, with, we were just talking about Crosspoint and HBM2 with the uh, upcoming products. So it's going to be interesting to see which chips use this. We saw GDDR5, we saw GDDR5X. Um, Micron is pushing GDDR6, which, uh, let's see. Okay, do, do you know what the big problem is between HBM and this? Uh, no. It's the price of the interposer and manufacturing. Oh, advantage GDDR6. To interposer to HBM. Mm. And sure. so GDDR stuff is always going to be a better price performance. Mm-hmm. But yeah. of course, your performance is going to be limited as compared to what? Yeah, having you're, a you're still, you're still bottlenecked. Is. You're still bottlenecked just by how many connections there are to the. Yeah, chip, yeah, right? and I mean, it's going to be slower connections as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So GDDR6, according to Micron, will offer uh, twice the bandwidth of GDDR5. So 16 gigabits five per X. second. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm sorry. Twice than five, uh, but uh, 25% faster than GDDR5X, which is 12 gigabits per second. So G5, uh, uh, G6 would be... 16 gigabits per second, G5X, 12 gigabits per second, uh, but using 20% less power, um, which is a big, big deal. Yeah. But that was one of the, another one of the advantages of HBM. Uh, HBM2 will still have the bandwidth crown, obviously, with, you know, 256 gigabytes per stack uh, on, on the upcoming GPUs. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this works out, right? We already know Vega is going to use HBM2. Yeah. Um, but it's possible that this might be the last one. Uses HBM? No, no. This might be the last G G six. You mean or GDDR? Like, I mean, know. maybe it depends on how no? the, how the prices on on HBM change. I guess. Uh, I guess. And there's like there has been a quarter of the market that's in the recent years has still used DDR three memory for graphics cards. Also so true. There's yeah. still always that low end market for where HBM isn't yeah. probably never going to make any. Oh, good. So we can have three families of graphics cards right, right. for every but, model. But you're now. making you're making my argument. Like people, what six one six comes out? If there's HBM for the high performance stuff, six could presumably be the low performance thing until HBM just eventually takes the whole thing over. I don't know. Maybe yeah, I, don't know. I, I think Josh is right. It mostly comes down to what the interposer cost is. Uh, yeah. If if manufacturing GP- is still going to be an overhead for these guys. And you have to be pretty accurate, and you've got to have a complex design with the interposer. And it's still a chunk of silicon that you have to fabricate versus just printing out a $5 PCB. Word. Oh, and from the comments on this article, PPS, get Josh a new light. (laughs) 
if that's, that's come up a few times in comments, the first couple weeks. End of the first comment on this story. <laughs> PPS. Oh, all right, fine. People are really demanding. <laughs> so, so I, I got a question for you. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah. So, so DDR has been going through you know six generations now, but eight if you count the the interlopers. Um, has has the latency in the base clock improved much on those over the various generations? Yes and no. Yeah, yeah. it kind of sort of stays the same. Like, yeah, it, I mean, you've you've got more cycles in there, so yeah. you so like you know, okay, with SD RAM, you had data on the what upslope of yeah. of the cycle, and then DDR did upslope, and then down. second, then you've got <clears throat> modulation in between, and so even though in theory they're faster in megahertz. Your overall latency has not improved dramatically because you've got a you're you're, mm-hmm. you're packing five suitcases into an airplane, and the airplane though is is still going to England at the same speed. Yeah, as compared I, I to of a couple of years ago, you could only pack one suitcase. <laughs> I want you to know that when you started this analogy, I had very little faith that you would complete it. And, and have it make sense, but in the end, I think actually it worked out pretty good. <laughs> you, you saw the light go, go on over his head? I saw it, and in my mind, I went, mm, he's not going to be able to finish this one. This is not going to turn out right. It's like suitcases. <laughs> suitcases, damn it. And I was like, oh. And then he's like, oh. It's so like, like a, a big truck that you dump stuff it's on. like a big truck dump truck. <laughs> Dinner, that's not a big truck. We haven't watched that in too long, oh. actually. Um, but usually what back. happens... You don't you, think he's going to be back in charge of shit? I don't know. <laughs> didn't he he's dead. Oh. I stand by my statement. I'm surprised he's not the FCC chair right now. But um, Got an from, airport from named from after him, actually. Literally from the grave. <laughs> um, but usually what happens is like the next version will come out. So like when I think 4 came out, like it was... It was uh to 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 start from a specific address took longer than the prior generation. Like mm-hmm. it took you longer latency to get to a specific point. Yes. But then if you were reading sequentially from that point, it was faster, like in a straight line. So it was like not as nimble, sure, but faster in a straight line kind of thing. But then as it matured, they got the you know how many clocks it took to clock the address in. You'd get lower and lower timings on. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And eventually it got to like parody with the previous generation stuff, but you still had the advantage of the faster straight line speed of it. Right. Um, I'd imagine this is probably going to be same kind of thing generally. Right. I would assume so. There, there'll be some disadvantage compared to I mean, they're GDR talking 5. about bandwidth improvements, but not latency improvements for a right. reason. Right. There'll be some, you know, some, some, uh, you know, negative compared to five, but then they'll tune that out, you know, as it matures. Probably. Uh, Windows 10 game mode was benchmarked by, as I scroll down to find out who it was, PC Games News. Um, And so this is the update that will be included as part of the Microsoft Creators or the Windows 10 Creators update, but is now being kind of pushed out in early iterations to uh, insiders, whatever whatever they call them. Yeah, Yeah. the advanced insiders, Um, circle, loop. And we've talked about game mode several times over the last month or so about what it's supposed to do and what it might do and how vague Microsoft was being. And I think maybe we know now 
why they were being so vague with things. Tim wrote this up. Didn't really do anything. Doesn't work. And the changes changes either do nothing or actually can negatively impact performance in a couple of cases. Now, to be fair to Microsoft, they they did say this is like like just starting to roll out. They're like like this this isn't everything. This is just so people can get an idea of what it does. And part of the game mode is is like software infrastructure, like the way the overlays work, and kind of you know getting you know. Global settings for a lot of that type of stuff. Well, we don't really expect these vast performance improvements out of this. I don't know. Necessarily, do we? I, I, mean, I don't know. They haven't said anything about it. They haven't said anything. I, I don't expect that. No. However, Microsoft would have the capability to do it. To do it. Maybe. Sure. Right? I just don't think that there's that many bottlenecks left. Well, in it's all software particular. stack. It's all I software. Think no, I agree. And that's, I just, why, that's why I think a game mode, if it... But from in my book, like for this to be useful, <clears throat> it would, the, the operating system would have to like reboot into game mode, almost uh, right. Like, like I mean, it would have to fundamentally change. No, they the control kernel the kernel. OS. They control the kernel. They can do whatever the hell they want with the schedule. But like and, they don't, you know, like applications would have to close. Like other things would have to would have to ha- guess, would have to happen to get your well, PC to as close to an Xbox state as possible. Yeah, That's what well, I'm I don't think it's of. that. I think it's the people that d- are dedicated to using Cortana. That have the Windows Store's apps undisabled. That in their start menu do have the weather and the stock ticker and the umpteen billion things that you can have in Windows 10 oh, that we've yeah. all disabled just because they're dumb. I don't disable or at least in my opinion. Let it go. Uh, but we've got plenty of people that are using Cortana that are using that. And I think that that's what it's supposed to do is put those mm. particular threads on hold. To let you go. Yeah. That makes sense. And I mean, that would help you somewhat. I can see that, but, but it's not going to make a big difference. Right. No, For me, it's not. to make a big difference, you're taking the OS down to its most basic level that exists like on an Xbox. I mean, they could. Right? They could but to do not that, like, that, I don't think they are either. But like in theory, they could if they worked with AMD and Intel and NVIDIA on drivers and like changed a bunch of stuff yeah. and audio controllers and all kinds of random crap that would never really work. But in theory, like that's what like peak would be. I mean, you can't really change it into like a real-time operating system just on the fly with a game. That's why I said reboot. Just reboot. Yeah. It's fun. But then, I mean, you you have to break the other drive. You have to break a lot of fundamental things. Yes, correct. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, you have to reboot in like, I don't know, printers don't work anymore. (laughs) It's freaking safe mode, except it's game mode. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Don't load any of my drivers or background processes. Do me safe mode, but just call it game mode. Yeah. Yeah. Something like with that. With networking. Right. That, that's kind of what I envisioned. Mm. Uh, this is not apparently that. Um, so you can check out the news post that Tim wrote. It's good. It's got a lot of detail in it. And then you can check out the PC Games news uh, story that they did some testing on it uh, and see if it's anything that interests you at all. Uh, something that may interest you less or more, depending on your aptitude towards passive cooling, is Palette, which I don't know if they even sell product in the U.S. anymore, to be Perfectly frank, I'm not sure. Uh, introduced a fanless GeForce GTX 1050 Ti Calmex mm. graphics card. A big old cooler. It is a big cooler. Um, it is. It's a two slot. Like full. Slot. Is it two? Well, no, it, it looks, looks like two. It looks like two and a half. But then look at the next. Yeah, this picture, picture is bad. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I it's think the pers- perspective bad. throws it off. But this one clearly shows it's supposed to be two slot. Either one of these two pictures is lying. I'll give you that. <laughs> it's because the cooler is taller than the full height. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so right. It, so yeah, if you look at the card here, you can clearly see that it's it's yeah. vertically taller. Um, 
hey, I, you know what? I'm yeah. totally for this. Like, I mean, silent PCs and stuff. Work. Assuming you could fit that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not going to go in the, so like, in the smallest that, of mini Would that fit in that bulldog even? Does it's it not going to fit in the STX, even if just it does have a PCIe the, slot. Just cut off the top of it. And it'll yeah, be fine. actually, if you just, <laughs> just saws all. Like right through the heat pipe and yeah. the fins at the top. Yeah. And, you know, and it will improve your case uh, efficiency. Sure. Yeah. It definitely will radiate heat, heat right inside of it. Away. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Definitely not. Uh, so I've actually asked them for a sample of this. They haven't replied. Uh, but like I said, I don't know if they sell anything in the, in I the really North American market. Do. I, I really don't think they give a crap. So, um, you know who does give a crap? Uh, Josh. Twice a day. No, we couldn't even. Oh, God. Uh, Logitech announces the Brio webcam, 4K webcam. Um, you guys want to see Josh and Jeremy in 4K? HDR? Only Josh. It's, sounds like a, a bad idea. So, so you can see the blue in 10-bit color. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the, the Brio is a an upgrade to uh, Logitech kind of like webcam. This is both a professional and they kind of targeted professional work cases and consumer work cases or use cases. Um, it has support for 720p 30 and 60. Actually, I think it has 720p 90, whatever you might use that for. 1080p 60 and then 4K 30. As well, and when it has HDR, we're not talking about like actual HDR, like HDR on a display. So it, it's it's HDR for cameras is very different than HDR for displays, right? The idea on cameras is you're trying to get as much uh, uh, in the right bright right exposure exposure levels as possible. Not that you're trying to capture all exposure levels, but you're trying to get as much of it into. So they're trying to say that the, the- it's like a dynamic exposure yeah. thing, I think. Yeah. Yes. So so their right light thing then. Correct. That they do. It's an upgraded version of that. It's right light three. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So the idea would be like if you're in a brightly lit room, it does some magical mumbo jumbo to make sure that you look okay. Yeah. Even if the background does not, right? But it, that that's a good part of it. But clearly the big part of it is four K. You know, they talk about uh you know using the four K sensor. So what, what happens if my background <clears throat> looks okay, but I typically look like shit? Uh I don't think this camera's gonna help you. In particular, you'll you'll well. look like finer detailed shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can really see those corn husks. <laughs> it, it will really expose you. Uh, yeah, it does. So it is going to require a little bit more processing power to do 4K 30, sure. Sure. as you would expect. Um, they also talked about some like who needs 4K. You know, most people are are doing like webcams at you know. 720 for that matter. It might right? it might give you better low light sensitivity even at 1080. It does 60. and yeah. digital zoom. It, the, the, yeah, the digital zoom. Oh, is the digital zoom like, wouldn't be crap. So 4K, if you can digital zoom, yeah, to, like was it 2x, 4x, 50 percent or whatever. Yeah, to or, get to a 1080p, yeah, an actual 1080p screen, like that's a pretty yeah, cool that's, thing, right? That's handy. Um, they talked about people who are doing YouTube videos where you want to like zoom in on something for a little bit and zoom out to the wide and post. You can do all that stuff, or you can do it live. Yep. Um, it's pretty. It has a user adjustable FOV from 65 to 90 degrees, um, which I think is probably part of that digital zoom crop capability yeah. would be my guess. $199. So it is a little bit pricey. Um, it's definitely comes at the, at the top of their, of the webcam stack. But, um, you know, I, I, I think, I think they've got, what's the next one below it? We, the 923. Is that the one that came out? That one that just launched not too long ago. Yeah. I think that's the one below that. That's like a 1080p 60 capable. And I think it's like 129. Yeah. Um, so they, they've got, they've got kind of a range that covers, 
covers this. So we're we're supposed to be getting one of these in soon. So uh, we'll see. I mean, Skype doesn't do 4K, right? Maybe no. some higher end, like enterprise class stuff, will do 4K, but I kind of I kind of doubt it at this point. But need to see. Got to have the hardware first. Got to have the hardware before you know before things can do that. Uh, Jeremy. How many Atom C2000 processors does your company run? None, because we're too damn cheap to buy anything that new. (laughs) (laughs) We're still using the old AMD-powered Cisco switches. But yeah, if you thought that math error uh, years back was bad, if you're running an Avaton, the chances are it's going to die. It's going to die very quick because the LPC bus clock is just going to stop. It, well, it's not going to come back. That's kind of necessary for some stuff. Uh, it, yeah, like booting, say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it since uh, I originally put it out, uh, where I knew for sure that Cisco, Dell, and some uh, network-attached storage from, uh, I believe Synology. It was, so, Synology, some, yeah. Some, some firewalls from, like, Supermicro that I'm running yeah, Josh at my is familiar company. with those, because <laughs> he's got some. Don't shut I've got down. like 12. Yeah. Make sure you keep them running. But there is Dell, HP, uh, Infratrend, Lanner, NEC, NetGate, Netgear, Quanta, Supermicro, Synology. Like, there are a bunch of people that went for this because this was Intel's foray into the low-powered server chip market or in appliance chip market, which uh, <laughs> had all been ARM Just previously. Just a little. So apparently... It's a little bit too low powered. There no, is no, no. It, it's it's it, the process technology, from what I read, <laughs> causes failures at the chip level that yep. are unrecoverable. Correct. So it's like it's Silicon like these miniature threads on the chip that go after so long a time and then just disconnect, and you reboot it. And it can't make that connection, and you're done. You mean after, let's say, oh, I don't know, like three and a half years? Yeah. Somewhere between 18 months to three and a half years, because some of them haven't been on the market that long. Yeah. They haven't replaced it with a new generation. Oh, hell, I just got to do Synology in today (laughs) that uses the same C2358 chip. That'll be one. I'm so mad. So, yeah, if it's got a C2000 series, the, the chances are there's one or two that aren't affected. But if it's a C2000 Aviton, it, it, do not turn it off and find a way. In some cases, there's supposedly a board level patch, which will help the threads live a bit longer. But they're still going to die. They're going to die. It's just physics. Yes. Yeah. Nothing RMA to do with electron software. migration. Yep. Yeah. That is an RMA nightmare. For a lot oh. of people. And what happens if it's out of the warranty for the thing? You're just screwed? I, from no. You're not screwed Oh, you're not? Okay. I mean, like, people would immediately sue Intel if they if they don't do it. Oh, it's going to be, it's gonna, this is a future class action lawsuit. Yeah. 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 Like, they're going to do everything they can to make good, to make that impact a little less when they eventually just get their asses sued off. Sure. But then again, it'll lower their taxes because it's not like they've got much to spend their money on right now as it is. They make no money whatsoever. None. <laughs> Scraping the bottom of the barrel. <clears throat> got to uh, get the lawyers doing something, right? Our, our second to last news story I'm going to bring up here because I did have something that showed up in my 
timeline I want to talk about before we we close. Uh, Star Wars Humble Bundle 3 is available. Uh, Before we get started on this, I will say that the link that Jeremy has included in this is one that like we are an affiliate with there of there. So uh, you actually, when you go through the purchase process, some portion of your, whatever you decide to pay would go towards PC per on the humble bundle and you can adjust it. You can make it a hundred dollars of your hundred dollar donation or you make it $0 (laughs) of your donation. And either way, that's fine. It's an expensive t-shirt. This, this may, I think this might be the first humble bundle I've ever purchased. My set really? doesn't seem right. Oh, it's certainly not the first one I've done. So what what comes it, in this one? This it's is not Star even the Wars first Star one, Wars Humble Bundle I've bought. <laughs> so I'm going to click this link over here and see what uh, and see what is included in this. Um, oh, no pod racer. Oh, hang nope. on a minute. It's pod racer on PC. So yeah, no. So pay anything. Sure pay anything. It, this is as low as a dollar, right? You get um, Knights of the Old Republic, X-Wing Alliance, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, the greatest game ever made, and Galactic Battlegrounds Saga. You really need more than that? Not really. Uh, if you pay more than the average of $10, you get to add Star Wars Battlefront 2, Jedi Outcast, Star Wars Starfighter, uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, and Rebel Assault and Rebel Assault 2. Pay $30, no, $14, you add Force Unleashed, Force Unleashed 2, Rogue Squadron. I do like I've Rogue got Squadron. that one. An amazing game when it came out on the Nintendo 64. It was a pretty good PC version, too. I it never was, played it yeah, on PC. Good PC. Yeah. And Shadows of the Empire. I didn't know that was even out on the PC. Oh, actually, it says uh, debut. It's new. Oh, okay. Ooh, it's new on the PC. Ass. Uh, $14 for a new Star Wars game? Star Wars Empire at War. Well, new to the PC. Yeah, new, new to the PC. It came out with a Nintendo 64. Yeah. Scroll back up to that first first lineup there, because the second lineup, are, these are all available on Steambox, aren't they? Steam box? What do you the mean? Steam logo. These, these yeah, are yeah. All, the, all the keys you get are on Steam. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. But that's Steam box compatible, right? It runs on Linux. No. No. The, no. the, the only no, Linux ones have the Tux Penguin yeah. next to the Yeah, I'd be shocked if Mac any of those icons. worked. Okay, that, that's, like, like, that's what I was wondering. Cause, like, it's just Steam, no and then to the right the is only Windows one, and Mac like, or Windows. Knights of the Old Republic 2 is the only yeah, right Linux one. Actually, it's blocked out for some reason. Yeah, Knights of the Old Republic 2... And besides, you want to play the KOTOR with the restored content mod anyway. So, And if you pay $35 or more, you get this sweet-ass t-shirt, which oh, I yeah. absolutely 100% purchased. I'm the big fan. Mine is on its way. Uh, mine is as well. At least it better be. You guys can match. So, yeah, you, <laughs> we're going to wear them on the same episode. It's going to be great. Yeah. So, yeah, when Sunrise. you do that, uh, well, does it? when does it tell me? I don't want to enter my email. It's gonna be like that Clint Eastwood movie. I don't know. So well, you got a few off Patreon. Just put one of those in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So the last thing I want to bring up before we head off is WCCF Tech, greatest news site in the history of the world. Clearly, uh, <laughs> has what they say now are confirmed prices for the Ryzen processors for three of them. It ain't gonna be cheap. The top-end 1800X, which is the AMD Ryzen 7 1800X, which is 8 cores, 16 threads, 95-watt TDP, that's a 3.6 to 4 gigahertz model, is apparently priced to the uh, uh, OEM at $490. Oh, no. The, no, no, it's not $490. No, Look it's dollars. The, uh, no. It is. It's it's euros. No, it's dollars. Or pounds. I'm looking at the article. It's dollars. You better hope it's euros if it ain't dollars. You don't want it to be pounds. Well, actually, pounds right now are pretty cheap. Yeah. That's, it's like a buck twenty Yeah, This, this says dollars. That's only like three bucks Canadian. Yeah. 
Uh, and I believe that is the let's see shop BLT, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Um, yes, will retail for less than four ninety nine dollars. Uh, so, and then here's the interesting part is they have the 1700 X and the 1700 processor. Apparently both of those are eight core, 16 thread. One of the, the X is 95 Watts. The not X is 65 Watts with lower frequencies. Uh, and according to this sheet, $316 oh, no. for the Ryzen 7, 1700, which is eight core, 16 threads at 3.7 boost clock. Uh, at some unknown base for $316. So going against like the i5-7600K. Yeah. A little I, bit cheaper, yeah. but not much. Uh, well, the, the 7700K is supposed to be, what, 340 Yeah. So this is just under that? Hmm. That's so, That seems like crazy low prices. I don't know if that's good or bad. Like, I don't know... What to make of that? Josh, are you excited or not excited if, if those turn out to be the case? I just don't know yet. I'm sorry. I, I wish I had an opinion, but I've been burned so many times in the past that I'm hesitant. Well, no, no, no. I'm not asking you to confirm whether or not you think the prices are true. If the prices are true, that the highest if end part is prices are true, then they're fantastic deals. Probably. Probably based on perf. It also, but if those prices are true, does it worry you about where the performance levels may be? Not really, because I think at the top end, we're looking at Haswell, Ivy Bridge type. It's going to be it's going to be a really interesting debate, though, right? Because these are yeah. eight core, sixteen threads, and so yeah. say say you're going up against the sixteen hundred uh, K, which is $1,000, right? It's more than mm-hmm. twice as much. Maybe it's way better in multi-threaded or even, right? But I think it's going to be pretty even. But what about if you compare it to the 7700K that is quad-core, eight-thread, but, but, but higher clocks by a little, and now that all comes down to single-threaded or lightly-threaded workloads, right? That's, yeah, then I, I think AMD is going to be at a disadvantage at that point. Yeah. But um, you know, what, it's, what it's are the what are be... the single to lightly threaded workloads that matter? A lot of stuff. Gaming, like, like games. What? badly games. programmed games, Chrome. I mean, I mean, not a lot of <laughs> not a lot of stuff uses sixteen threads, Office? or eight but, threads. But even. what single threaded applications almost that every... people use? Would, or performance bottleneck would be performance bottlenecked in a way that you would be able to tell a difference. Like most things that are just like, like name some things. Office. Anything? No, seriously, just yeah. games is going to be about the essentially it. That's that's unless you do some benchmarks that can actually parse out threads, you're not going to see a big difference in like Microsoft Word or Excel or uh, probably. I mean, you know, with you get into image editing stuff or video editing, it'll spread out the threads. You're not going to notice any performance increases or decreases at these kind of levels. Right. Here's Games a, are probably going to be the biggest deal because a lot of them use one to two threads for the most part. Mm-hmm. Maybe shed off a couple of two or three other threads for some audio functionality or some physics stuff that's going to be low level. Yep. 
uh, you're going to see the biggest differences in performance in, in these games just because of the way they program them. I think I understand what Ryan's asking here. Of the workloads where you would see a difference in upgrading your CPU from, let's say, just like a three-year-old random CPU, which would be like gaming, audio stuff, video stuff, how many of those workloads? Like, you're not going to see a difference in office performance upgrading a CPU these days. That's not exactly where the office bottleneck is. I, yeah, and I, I don't think it's... No, that's Microsoft. Noticeable. Uh, <laughs> there might be a performance delta. Yeah. But yeah. is it You're not going to notice Chrome being faster with your new CPU. So I can, I can tell so, you so that. So out of the applications where you would notice CPU performance differences, how many of those are single-threaded these days? Is so it uh, here's, here's, I'll tell you, my real player performance <laughs> is, is just going to boost <laughs> with the Intel product. Just uh, here's, here's some stuff I've run into having 300 megabit internet. That is like... Newsgroup downloaders tend to have a single thread that you does the UU decode. So I can only download. I'm on like a. I'm sorry. Did you say newsgroups? Yeah, newsgroup downloaders. Yeah, he did. He did. Yeah, same, actually, actually, same applies. Bins to, are still a thing. Same applies to BitTorrent downloads as well. Like they can saturate a thread as well. They tend to have like. Quit looking over your shoulder. <laughs> I'm trying to see a calendar someplace. <laughs> I thought you were looking for a hammer. Looking for anyway. Yeah. So I have noticed that. Like, be it either torrents or newsgroup downloads or anything, like, those tend to have, like, a single thread running whatever that process is. And you'll end up capping out at something like 20 megabytes per second. So you can't actually saturate your 300 megabit link because you're bottlenecked by single thread performance. You should have told me about this. Because we have way faster than 300 megabit. It would have been a great benchmark. Uh, we do here. I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you have well, to have he's a, got consistent... a hell of a download you can test it with. You can do like uh, Linux ISOs have torrents where there's a crap load of uh, parallel, like a bunch of seeds. Hmm. Okay, so you can something something to think about. If anybody who's listening has like a specific workload that they know to be single threaded limited. Other than gaming, because we're obviously talking about that already. But like, I mean, a real lot of stuff is single thread. I just can't. Think of things that are interesting. Like, I, I, when we I, I, do our CPU articles, it's a struggle to find single-threaded workloads that can that can be benchmarked, yeah. tested, evaluated, compared in a way well, it, that comes it, in. Is it the case that the CPU is no longer the bottleneck for most of these things? I Once you shift to an NVMe SSD, the CPU is the bottleneck again. Right. Yeah. But, but how many once, you, once you shift to NVMe or SSDs, once you shift to like super high speed internet, right? Like he's talking about, you, you didn't notice it until you had 300 megabit internet, yeah, right? I didn't because, notice, yeah. you know, when you had 60 or 100, you're maxed out at 15 megs a second anyway, yeah. right? So yeah. it was, wouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, but I no, saw I that mean, when we got our Office gigabit. 365 likes to pick a core to make love to. Yeah, and it knows there's other cores there. It just doesn't want anything to do with <laughs> sweet, sweet. It's love. got the one it wants. Like, hey, core number three. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey. Squeal. I choose you. <laughs> I, I think I, I think compiling would be an interesting one. Compiling man, like that, a large oh, open source C++ that's, that's, uh, project. Oh, that's not singles core CPU. Yeah, that's core. multi-threaded. I bet there's a lot now, of I don't linear know, stuff now, in it. That's the, other, that's the other point of this equation is you don't know how many threads. So if you had like a compiler, a compiler might only be four-threaded, right? Sure. So then if you're trying to compare this particular AMD versus Intel CPU and one of them has freaking 16 threads, 16, like 12 of those might not matter. Right. Right? It's like who cares if it has, you know, eight cores, 16 threads. If you can never, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, no, for no, all no. the stuff you do, yeah, you can never. That, that's why I'm saying single or lightly threaded. Things yeah. that are... One to four 
threads. Yeah. And that's my point. Like, most stuff is one to four threads. Most of everything, other than, like, video encoding, yeah. is one to four I mean, wasn't threads. that an amazing thing about Ashes of the Singularity and uh, Supreme Commander 2? Is like, oh, look, we support multi-threading. Yeah. Yeah. There's people in the chat are saying VMware, things like that. Look, here... Well, well I'm, I'm curious I want, I want to end what Pharonix so does. I'll yeah. have to double check what Pharonix does for their single core stuff. Okay, and let me know. it can be replicated on uh, Windows as opposed to Linux. Let me know. And like I said, if anybody's listening, uh, even if you're in the chat, I can't read all the chat messages. But if you send me an email or send me a note on Twitter, rshroud at pcpar.com or just at Ryan Shroud on Twitter, I would love to know what that is because I'm literally in the middle of rebuilding CPU test suites this week uh, in prep for Ryzen and, and a bunch of stuff coming down the pipe. Single single threaded transfers over like ten gig uh Ethernet will saturate a thread. Mm. Before oh, yeah. before you hit ten gig. Like that's why you need multi threading to to be able to saturate. Like multi threading. You guys have ten gig? You need multi thread. No, but we I can mean get we some, could get two ten gig next. Yeah, we can get some next pretty easy. But that's where you run into the issue where you need uh the OS to be able to do multi threaded like transfers over that network in order to yes, hit somebody you know, in the, the chat is saying Pharonix test suite. I hear you. Yeah, I mentioned it live. Yeah, we, we <laughs> apparently they were paying we attention. Definitely did. You oh. can kick him now. It's fine. Oh, I will. <laughs> uh, so anyway, let's get to our hardware software picks of the week so we can end the show. Uh, up first is me, as it should be. And you broke it. Uh, this is what I have here. The Sateki USB-C uh, power meter tester multimeter for new macbook macbook pro test speed of chargers cables external battery capacity and it's it is it is a tiny guy it looks like a, a usb c thumbstick uh, and as you can see in the diagram it's better to see it on, on that's the like an oled page anyway it's like an oled display on it yeah right? it's a really nice display actually uh, and so yeah. what this it's does not the ink no no is it allows uh. you to measure power consumption through a usb c port whether that be for charging uh, so you get power input. You can see like the little arrow above the 1.0 amp. It tells you which way, tells which you which way, way the, the power is going. going, right? So in this case, in this diagram, the laptop is charging at 19 volts, 1 amp. Sweet. Or whatever. Something is drawing power at 19 volts, 1 amp. When we hook this up to our USB Type-C Ethernet adapter, gigabit Ethernet adapter, mm-hmm. it was running at, what, 5 volts, like 0.19 amps, yeah. right? So that's how much power the network adapter here was drawing it's kind of a neat little statistic to have we'll use it for you know uh phones yeah phones or laptops to charge by usb type c to measure what their power input is and that type of stuff uh oh it's currently unavailable uh you bought, the last bought one. it out did you i guess i bought the Way last one interesting uh i don't know but i have it so sorry guys i guess <laughs> well 960 hey, evos are back in stock so there you go get one of those so this will. But how this, much power does it draw, Josh? Can't measure it with that. <laughs> no, <laughs> cannot cannot measure it with that. All right. Uh, who is up next, Jeremy? Are you? You're next, correct? Yep. I'm a little desperate this week, but uh, this is an add-on that saved my bacon for years now. Okay. Lazarus. Oh yeah. Lazarus form recovery. Uh and. Far less annoying than uh, the pop-up that I get nowadays when it just tells me, oh, you posted an article five minutes ago. Yeah, I did, and it's not going to be the same damn content. Hey, it doesn't know that. Relax. <laughs> it should. You hit escape but, key and you move on with your life, Jeremy. I know. <laughs> I do it 
multiple times a day. I don't have type. I don't have print on my escape key anymore. But this thing, <laughs> uh, it's a Firefox plugin. Uh, it the Chrome one comes in and out, and don't even bother it. But yeah, if something dies, site goes down, my computer crashes, whatever. You do a right click. It recovers your form, my news post, or if you're filling in anything. And he's smart enough to know that he's got AES-256 on it. So it's not that it's stored in plain text somewhere, just in case what you're using it for is saving credit card information. It's all encrypted. It is lovely. Honestly, give it a shot if you spend a lot of time typing stuff online and occasionally lose stuff. Toss them a couple of pennies if you want, but very cool. Highly recommend it. All right, Josh, me, you. So with uh, Ryzen coming up so soon, and 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 possibly throwing some insanity into our lives, I decided to go with this. At only three hundred nine dollars, it's the i seven seventy seven hundred K, and I bought one today because oh, I was going to get did bite the bullet, a nice. Huh? What? You did finally bite that bullet, huh? I I did because I'm I'm getting an inexpensive motherboard. So it's on eBay. And, and it says it's on that eBay. this, this listing through... has sold fifteen hundred items. So yeah, is it, is it from a reputable rec- Oh it's monoprice. Oh okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's like forty dollars less than they sell forty the bucks CPU less for on their website. Why do people do that? Is this uh eBay must they must incentivize they must, people. They must. Right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because there's no reason. Because you get you would normally pay like a seller's fee on top of that too, right? Yeah. Know. So I'm getting it for three oh nine, and they're shipping it to me for free. Fall it's going to be here on Tuesday. That's yeah. Awesome. It's a little bit longer wait, yeah, but it's it free. I mean, Auto price normally ships pretty slow in my book. To yeah. be fair, so. Uh, before we get to Alan, Alan's pick, I want to say we have a couple, we have a Patreon update. Uh, it's this is from it's pronounced Malchevsky, <laughs> who uh, I apologize for. So that's uh, five ninety nine. He upped it a little bit, so I'll go with that Malchevsky. Haha, we Thank tricked you. him. And uh, we did have another one uh, who updated their their pledge uh, from the name Pootie Tang. I don't. Whatever. Hey, is this that Pootie Tang? Is that that CPU that uh, you got to like five something? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. We just saw Alan's entire thought process. Sorry. Ah. Derailed me. Yeah, I'm still gonna stay on that 920. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> all right, Alan's pick. Might be time to upgrade. Uh, so yeah, um, I have like a special, you know, OBD style scanner that only applies to like Volkswagen and Audi, and I needed like a regular one, so now I have a car that's not Volkswagen. Sure. Uh. 35 bucks. OBD2 scanner. No batteries, no nothing. Powers itself off the car. Hmm. Plug no. it in, screen lights up, boots up, takes a couple seconds. You read your codes, reset your check engine light, whatever. Like, Does that say turdy durable? It's turdy durable. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> hey, what do you expect from ODB? It's as durable as shit. Oh, man. It is um, safe, though. So there's that. I mean, I mean, it's 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 built well. Like it's you know, it, it's um, you know, I just like that it's a really small box. Like it can actually eat, keep it like in the center console with a car. Yeah, like and just you know, just kind of yeah. throw it in there. And did you look at the Bluetooth ones? Uh, I looked into it, but for the, it's, I just needed to be able to just 
read and reset well, codes. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to like need real time like speedometers and stuff on my phone with the. This is the first time Alan has turned down data from a car. Speedometers. Yeah. Speedometers. And it worked with. You know, I was afraid that it wouldn't work with like a fairly recent car, but it had no problem. All right, that's going to be it for the episode this week. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. PCPer.com slash podcast. Go to that URL. Uh, you'll find all of the back episodes, video links, RSS links, all the things you need, uh, where to find the live stream at. And again, PCPer.com slash subscribe if you want to sign up for that mailing list so you can join us in the chat and hang out before and after uh, the shows that we record here. We will see you guys next week. I'm going to say it, so you should get your hands ready. I'm Ryan Shrout. I'm Jeremy Hallstrom. I'm Josh Hallery. <laughs> and I'm Alan Novantano. <laughs> Jazz hands, Josh. Jazz uh, hands. Oh, I, I thought you meant Daisy hands. Yeah, he was he was he was frozen, so he couldn't. If you enjoyed this content, consider supporting in-depth technical content by contributing at patreon.com slash PC per.